Dynamic duo of Herb Lawrence and Chris Tannehill. Those two are like a tag team, you know? Come with me to Southside of Chicago. Hi, this is Jim Tomey, and the best White Sox talk is on Locked On Sox podcast with Tanny and Herb. Hello, and welcome back to Locked On Sox. My name is Herb Lawrence. You can follow me on Twitter. It is at Ecknerwall23. That is Lawrence spelled backwards. Chris Tannehill is at Chris Tannehill. And our show is at Locked On Socks. Thanks for making Locked On Socks your first listen every day. And remember, Locked On Socks is free and available for all platforms, including YouTube. We're right there. Go to Locked On Socks on YouTube right now. Without any further ado, actually, let me give the phone numbers out. 312-566-8727 will be used many times in this episode. And LockedOnSocks at gmail.com is the way you can send us an email. Without any further ado, it is Chris Tannehill. Do you like that line I just edited in there? Yeah, it's amazing. Um, I, I like Organic? That, I, yeah, I like the way that we're telling people that the show is free, and we're 327 episodes in, as in today. I think they figured it out. Although, this show does come with a cost. It's hearing our dumbasses. And uh, you are watching us now on YouTube, uh, you people out there. Uh, sorry, you people. I didn't mean that, you people. You um, people. <laughs> um, we are doing this show for YouTube today. It's a mailbag episode. It's got some evergreen stuff in here. It's not a game recap because the White Sox were rained out in Detroit today, as were the Cleveland baseball team. So this gives us an opportunity to put some content on the YouTube. There's a big-time initiative here at Locked On Network to, to get more shows on YouTube. We've been there for a while, but we haven't been great about putting content up there. If you want to go up there, you can uh, you know hit the subscribe button, hit the, the bell right there, which I love when people, when people do that uh, in their mm-hmm. videos. Hey, hey, thanks for joining us here. Oh, hit hit that subscribe. Just smash that subscribe button right there for me. Uh, but yeah. Before we go on, just smash that subscribe button. Hit there the notifications go. bell, brother. I'll sit here and wait, man. <laughs> and you might even get to see my dog Ziggy. He's on the bed over there, oh. and uh, he's just eating a bone over there. I hope you can't hear that, but no. if you are on the YouTube, you can see Ziggy. Well, yeah, we're we're good. Ziggy's going to be the star of the show tonight, I believe. Uh, we are brought to you today by our friend Sully, Paul Francis Sullivan. Every day, he's on Lockdown MLB for a unique look at the majors, both present and past, featuring exciting guest interviews and routine check-ins from the Lockdown MLB Network's team of local experts. Subscribe to Lockdown MLB today on the Aussie app or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, real quick, there is no real nose. Uh, nose. <laughs> oh, oh, boy, I'm, I'm getting nervous here in front of the YouTube audience. There's no news today except uh, with what I just mentioned with the two rainouts. So you're waking up today on Thursday morning. Today's the day. The White Sox are going to come home with the AL Central crown. This should be a happy day. And I know they could lose two games today. If not, there's three more opportunities uh, after Thursday. So I feel pretty good about 
the games today. We'll get to the matchups later on in the show, but this is a, a day that should be enjoyed. And there's been a lot of consternation over the past few weeks, really. And this is, this day has been inevitable. And it's not the path we would have all drawn out. But I think this whole season was unexpected in the way this path has been drawn out and laid out for this White Sox team. But uh, this is a, an opportunity where you get to clinch the division title on the home of your closest competitor and that ultimately is a good thing and that's why you play baseball ain't it herb it feels great the next white Sox win will be in cleveland and they will be clinching on their field and hopefully getting drunk on their field i know didn't the twins do that to us a couple times like in 2004 when they won and sliding around the bases and such i and think you're and i think you're confusing that paul canerco did that in the, to Met- the twins to the twins in the metrodome but i'm sure that the twins obviously they celebrated it more than their share of times on the south side so i'm sure they did all sorts of things in the clubhouse and on the field but i i always remember uh paul canerco i think it was carrying the, a beer and carrying a beer uh, around the bases and then sliding into home with the beer what an all-time boss move uh, by the legend paul canerco so yeah there's gonna be an opportunity for that we'll talk about that later on and there's a big uh, big old gap in between games so if the Sox clinch in that first game uh ugh, that second game could be a doozy but we won't care all right so we're opening up the mailbag today and uh, I'm excited about this episode because we get a chance to talk to you guys in a, in a format that we don't always get to do. We're at the end of the season here. A lot of fun things happening around Major League Baseball. And uh, I just uh, I enjoy these shows a bunch because we get to talk to you guys. And uh, without any further ado, oh, real quick, the news thing I wanted to mention. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast, obviously you like White Sox content. And so don't be scared to th- spread some love with our other White Sox podcasters and content creators. Uh, all over this uh, White Sox media spectrum. You know, I saw someone with a list. We, our 108 episode is posted, by the way, with, mm-hmm. our, with our guys from the 108, which we did the taping at Ballpark Pub. I'm going to give them a big thank you later on in the show. But if you want to check us out during the live broadcast that we did this past Saturday, uh, that is available for you guys uh, on, I believe, on their YouTube. I saw it pop up, but definitely on their Twitter feed out from the 108. So uh, good stuff there. And Ozzie Guillen was on with Jason Goff on the Full Go podcast yesterday. Uh, we had a chance to tape with Ozzie. Uh, you had him in front of a Zoom. Shout out to Ozzie Jr. for setting that up. Uh, and Jason, you know, you know, I've been working with Jason on this Full Go show just to help it get it off the ground. And it's been really fun. You know, it's not just sports, 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 sports. We had Adam Amin on also yesterday who has called a White Sox game or two in the past and uh, you know basically he's called games for every team in town he does uh, work with the Bulls now he's your Bulls play-by-play man does a phenomenal job so Jason likes to peel back the curtain and get to know people as human beings not just sports figures but Ozzy had a lot of great opinions on the current White Sox team and uh, you know Ozzy is always great content we know that he's one of our uh, teammates and contributors at the score so if you like the White Sox you're listening to this, obviously you do. Uh, give my man Jason Goff uh, a follow on Spotify. That's what we call it, Herb, in, the, in this podcast industry. Give us a follow. Not, it's not, you're not subscribing anymore, so we're, we're outdated when we talk about things like that. So give Jason Goff and The Full Go a follow uh, over at Spotify. It's called The Full Go. Really proud of the work that uh, Jason is doing over there, and I'm glad to help with that. All right. Shall we open up that bag? Let's do it. A lot of emails. We're going to try to get to some. There's another email. I love email. We love emails too, especially 
on a night where there's a rain out. I tell you what, Herbie, we could come in here and get the show done by 10 o'clock central time and I could be in bed or watching uh, Norm MacDonald YouTube videos by 10 o'clock. That's a good night right there. So you, rain outs aren't always bad. It gives us a chance to talk to you guys. I know you already said it, but once again, in case people weren't listening or they were doing something else, how can they get a hold of us uh, to be uh, in the mailbag? And I would anticipate not many more mailbags from now until the end of the championship season, but uh, in case they do want to share a thought, share a voicemail, uh, we're going to be doing short shows on the score, on 670 The Score, some post-game shows in the postseason, so we're going to be using this email. Uh, but So how can they get a hold of us uh, with their White Sox thoughts, Herb? Go to LockedOnSocks at gmail.com. Locked on socks at gmail.com for voice mess or for emails and for voice messages, 312-566-8727. So it's very easy to remember the number 312-566-8727. It's uh, you, all you got to do is think of Harold Baines, AJ Brzezinski, Mark Burley, Jorge Orta, Bo Jackson, Carlton Fisk, Tim Anderson. It's very easy. I can't think of an easier way to remember those numbers than uh, to, to think of those guys' jersey numbers. All right, the first one coming in here from our guy. You know, it's always appropriate to lead off with our guy, Mike Victor, who was so gracious enough to come out and say hello when I was doing the Chalk Talk with Matt Forte last weekend. Pick that name up there. Uh, Mike weighs in. This was from earlier last week, but I I saved it for uh, an occasion like this. That's a good way to break in the mailbag. Uh, It's been a rough week with Norm MacDonald's passing, and I'm just finding more and more clips that I may have missed or forgot about. I wasn't a super fan, but I find that his death is impacting my me personally, which is rare for a celebrity death. The closest I can think of is when Chris Cornell died and possibly Kobe. What celebrity deaths have had a lasting impact on you guys? If you don't get to this, no worries. Anyway, hoping for a long playoff run and good luck Saturday night. Uh, Yeah, thank you very much. It was. It was a great time. Uh, Mike said he would go, uh, but his wife and oldest are out of town on a camping trip, and he doesn't think five-year-olds would be allowed at the ballpark pub. Uh, Talk soon and go Sox. That's Mike Victor. All right, Herb. So, uh, celebrity deaths. I know you're you're not as sentimental as I am in a lot of ways, but uh, was there ever Correct. a c- celebrity death that, that impacted you more than you would have thought it would have? I mean, obviously, it's Michael Jackson for me. Friends and you know the other stuff, not so much. Yeah. Um, yeah. When he died, I was pretty sad. It was a heartbreaking day, and I remember, like, I remember Fair Fawcett died earlier than that day. And like that, I feel really sorry for her and her family, because when he died, it took over the world. And then his funeral at the uh, Staples Center, seeing his kids there and them and their grief and all that stuff. So that, yeah, that took me out for a minute. And still, you know, Michael Jackson's music for me is undefeated. Last night, I was just watching the Jackson's The American Dream for the eight millionth time. So. I've always loved Which that is, movie. Okay, was that the is that the ABC movie? Which one was? Yeah, that? okay, that's the ABC movie with uh, our guy uh, Jason Weaver, who we had on a uh, couple times. Uh, so uh, he's a Chicago guy, and now he's a grown ass man. And I still watch that movie. And he was on the score like a couple weeks ago, or a month ago, and I was so starstruck to speak to him, and that he actually followed me. And he had uh, my number and I can text him whenever I was like, I got Jason Weaver's number. The man that played Michael Jack- young Michael Jackson. Oh, my God. I can't believe that. <laughs> so, yeah, when he died, I was just like, oh, man, this is a tough go. But the music lasts forever. Yeah. It, there's something about, 
you know, the celebrity deaths, you know, that, that affect us in a different ways. Like, you know, when I think of uh, comedians that have passed on, like, you know, the, speaking of, of course, the great Norm Macdonald recently, you think about guys like Patrice O'Neill, who was one of my favorites of all time, Greg Giraldo, guys who pass way before it's time for them to go. And, you know, it's not up to any of us to say when it's someone's time to go, but, you know, it's, it's always unexpected, right? And it's something about... Uh, you know, for me, comedians and, and you know, uh, entertainers, music artists, that just hits me a little differently uh, every time. And, you know, certain ones, depending on what time it is in your life, can hit you and impact you differently. I remember, I think we've shared this story before on the show, but like, you you know, you, you growing up when we did, you, you experienced these, these things a lot uh, sooner in life, I feel like, than uh, maybe our, our parents did. Although, you know, parents see, uh, they've seen a lot of crazy things on television. But uh, I remember coming home from baseball practice and hearing about Kurt Cobain. I was a big Ma- mm-hmm. uh, Nirvana fan when I was a kid. And you're like, you know, uh, I think I was nine or ten years old. And you're trying to figure out, like, what what is what does suicide mean? Like, what's going on? Like, why would someone do that to themselves? So, like, it helped you grow up a lot quicker. You know, uh, that's a, it's a day I'll never forget. It was just such a sad day. Um, and then as the years go on, uh, James Gandolfini, uh, when he passed away uh, untimely with with a young child, who his young child, by the way, now is all grown up and is playing mm-hmm. the young version of Tony Soprano in this many Saints of Newark movie. So that's beautifully uh, poetic there in that regard. And I cannot wait for that movie to come Didn't out. Didn't that child found, find him passed away? Yeah, it's really uh. sad. Like he, he took his son on a trip to Rome and he passed away in the hotel. And so, yeah, it's, you know, something that's incredibly just, you know, shocking for a young child like that, something you wouldn't want anyone to go through. Uh, and now he's playing his the role that his father made famous in, in a movie, and I can't wait for that. But I think of two in particular, and this is just celebrities here. Like, I'm not talking about people that we know or people that were in our lives, but uh, I'm, a, I'm a big hip-hop fan. I'm a big fan of the group Gangstar. And mm-hmm. uh, the the two guys, it's DJ Premier, who's the greatest producer of all time, and then the MC is Guru. So Guru passed away very early, about 10 years ago, and everyone in the hip-hop community was just shattered by this, and uh, I was no exception as they're my favorite group of all time because I find their music to be incredibly helpful for me in a lot of ways. Like, you know, the, the beats are banging as always, like when they do their more hardcore stuff with when they've got like MOP on a track, you know, but also Guru is one of the best, you know, lyricists ever, and, you know, just someone who's able to you know, uh, just relate personal struggles in life through his lyricism, and you can, and anyone can feel it. Uh, when you're talking about listening to Gangstar, you can relate to those stories. Uh, very introspective dude, and uh, just one of the best voices. So Gangstar's music has gotten me through a lot of uh, tough times in my life, and it gets me through positive times too. And that's why music hits us a little differently because it's always there for you, no matter what mood. If you're trying to escape something, music is there for you. If you are trying to get get amped up a little bit, uh, it's there for you as well. And then uh, about five or six years ago, another uh, uh, rapper MC by the name of Sean Price passed away. And this one hit me particularly hard because I had I had met Guru as well. And when we met Guru and Premier, we met them at Park West back in like 2000. 2004 they were performing with brand nubian and we stayed around because i was doing the hip-hop project radio show back then i was djing and we stayed around all night 
to get an autograph, a picture, um, you know, to get a radio drop, you know, like, hey, this is DJ Premier and Guru. You're listening to Hip Hop Project. That's what I mean when I say radio drop. But mm-hmm. we waited around all night for them, and then they showed up and they came through and they took all pictures with all the fans after a long night. And it, for us, it was like meeting the Beatles, meeting those two guys. If you're an underground hip hop head, those guys, man, just they're on another level. So we, we talked with them, and I got a drop from Premier and Guru. and guru signed my wife's sneaker um you know i just took pictures with a bunch of us i wish i would have taken a picture you know I, i've used the drop for the past 20 years on my on my hip-hop stuff but I, I wish i would have had a picture uh but back then you know cell phones with great cameras weren't readily available at the time you know some of us had sidekicks but you know, the other pictures was really a non-starter on those things uh, that may have even predated the sidekick you know uh because i think 0304 that predates even the motorola razor which everyone had i remember everyone at you know in the 05 season on the south side with their Motorola racers and that was like the, the hottest shit in the world but um yeah so and then Sean Price hit me because he had a daughter and I was at my daughter's swim class when I found out the news and I had interviewed Sean Price on the radio and he was one of my favorites and he was younger than uh, any one of these you know, people I'm talking about he was younger than Guru and He's certainly younger than James Gandolfini, but he had a young daughter, and uh, it was just really sad to me because you know I was really digging his music a lot at the time, and at that point, for almost 15 years, I was into Sean Price's music from his days with Helta Skelta and the Bootcamp Click, and you know you get to know him a little bit, and you know him performing for people that I know through, through shows here in Chicago, just you know. Uh, a great dude and, a, and one of the great lyricists of all time. So I think as when you're a father and you get older and you, these and people pass away, it hits you a little bit harder in different ways because it makes you realize like how uh, fragile life can be and how unfair it can be at, at a lot of times. So it also, but it also makes you like you know thankful for what you do have. But that's the thing with music, um, you know that 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 little girl is now older is not going to have her dad back, but the dad is going to live forever through music right so i think there's some sort of comfort there and i think we'll watch this many saints in newark movie with michael gandolfini and we'll we'll see a lot of his dad and uh, of course his work on the sopranos will live forever too so it gives us a little bit of comfort but yeah the norm thing has been incredibly uh, tough for me i spent a lot of time listening to uh, a lot of tributes from like bob saget uh, gave a nice tribute. It was really powerful. You know, Artie Lang with a tribute, Bill Burr, pretty much every comedian, like I said on the show after he passed, like he was your comedian's favorite comedian. So everyone's been doing their tribute. So uh, that's helped a little bit. And I will never tire of just pulling up a random Norm MacDonald uh, YouTube video. So it's been, you know, it's been a tough week. But yeah, that's a, I thought that was an interesting way to start the show. And we thank And uh, if I could add yeah. another one, I forgot about Fife Dog when he passed away because. Yeah. We brought him to the studio twice with Lawrence's show. Like the first time I got to meet him. And then the second time I was in Vegas and I still got to book him and then got him to sign an autograph picture for my sister. Um, Cause my sister Kamiga really loved tribe called quest when I was a kid. And I, you know, I was into it, but not really. She was deep into it. And then as an adult, I really got deep into the tribe and it's like, man, this stuff is just, Phenomenals. Fife got some of the greatest rhymes, and one of my favorite rhymes is from uh, Lyrics to Go, where he's like, I'm Jordan with the mic. Want to gamble? That's just, <laughs> it works on so many levels. He, Him and, and Tip were just so deep with the lyricism. And uh, when he passed away from diabetic, uh, like uh, complications from diabetes, he's a, a uh, type A diabetic, a type 2 diabetic myself. 
we got different things. He needed insulin. I'm more of a, you know, I need to control my A1C. He like was awesome. You know, a great guy. He came in and gave his time to me and Lawrence and talked to us like we're just regular dudes. And he's a world famous MC and he just loves sports. Like he would go around the world. Like he was in town those two times for the McDonald's all-star game that was in Chicago. And now it's returning back to Chicago this year. And he was just out here just chilling and he would walk from his hotel room to the score studio down there on Stetson. And just like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm down to do it. And so he had passed, I think when we were trying to get him for the third year, I think he had passed like in that like early spring, late um, winter. And I was just really bummed. And ever since then, you know, they've released another album with him um, posthumously and he's sounds just great. Yeah. But I still miss the guy. He was an awesome dude. I still like when you have people, I had his phone number in my phone and I still do. I haven't erased it. I never like texted him on, you know, on the off chance, but the fact that I had five dogs and that number and that I have him under his real name, Malik Taylor, I was like, Oh man, this is so great. Yeah. And I, I would, you know, we've already talked about this at great length, but you know, it, you know, I've had a lot of artists that I've met and, and respect and still listen to pass away. MF doom passing away in December. Um, that was really hard after a year of isolation and I was on vacation from work. So I hadn't really been around my people in a while. And that, that was a really tough one, but it, I think it bonded a lot of us. Cause a lot of my friends and I were sharing text messages and I'd seen photos of them and him, I, my buddy sang, who is a concert promoter, uh, with a great photo of him, uh, you know, when he brought him out to do one of his birthday shows back in the day. And, uh, you know, of course, I got to mention the great prodigy who's up here on my wall, uh, the keep mm -hmm. it thorough, uh, you know, single right there. So, you know, uh, you know, some of the all time greats have uh, passed on. But again, they live on through the music forever. So there's something to be said about that. All right. Uh, enough of us being morbid here unless we want to go play this. The king of pop was a musician. I loved his work. The other things, not so much. Allegedly. Uh, thank you, Farmio. We miss you too, buddy. Um, <laughs> uh, that's so great. An all-timer. All right, next one coming in here. We got a voicemail from the 630. Hit us up, 312-566-8727. Let's see who we've got today. Hey, guys. Jake Raleigh calling in. Um, I literally just saw that Jake Lamb is somehow a Blue Jay. Not sure when that happened. Don't think you guys have mentioned that. Don't think Jake's called into the show from Toronto yet. Uh, maybe I missed something. I'm not sure. But uh, i got to think that the Blue Jays definitely screwed up the conversion rates when they were looking at Jake's stats before signing him. Uh, that's just my thoughts. Let me know what you guys think. Thanks. Um, I believe Go Oh, the Ghost Sox. Sorry. Thank you. Thank you, Jay Crowley, our, our guy. Yeah, we've uh, mentioned Jake Lamb uh, maybe once in passing that he had acquired a new team and the new team had acquired him, but we definitely have not heard from the Jake Lamb. And we talked to some sources this past weekend uh, that said maybe he'll be calling in soon. Um, but uh, I don't know. I don't know, man. Uh, the Jake Lamb thing is funny. Speaking of the Blue Jays, though, did you see uh, Shep's cousin? today on, on the bump uh you know Real he was dirty. instilling some yeah baseball frontier justice <laughs> on kevin kiermeyer if you guys didn't see the kevin kiermeyer play from the other day there was a collision uh, in tuesday's game where he collided with blue jays catcher uh, alejandro kirk uh and then kirk's i don't know what you call it his uh 
his card with uh, you know uh, strategy mm-hmm. out of spray charts. Out of, probably not a spray chart because he's a catcher, but all the intel that that a catcher would need. Um, it was on this card most likely, and then it pops out during the collision. Kevin Kiermeyer and I've watched this video a bunch of times. Looks at it on the ground, and he there's he takes a couple beats. He realizes what it is, and then he walks away with it, which I think is kind of a I don't know, it's kind of a d bag move personally. It's a bag move. Yeah, 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 bag alert, major bag alert. Uh, but it is what it is, you know. I would think a quick, uh, hey man, here you go. Like you know, it doesn't. It's fine. Here, take it. Take you dropped your card here, bro. Because if so, if he had dropped his outfield alignment card, you know, I, I, you know, and passing when he's coming off the field and someone's coming out, I'm sure the, the guy would say, hey, you dropped your card. Uh, that was kind of a bag move. But then Ryan Barucki, uh, who is uh, the cousin of Nick Shepkowski's wife, Ashley Fields, we, we love them, and uh, he is uh, one of the young pitchers for the Blue Jays uh, organization. He's been up for a couple cups of coffee here or there. He's a big-time uh, Mark Burley fan. He wears number 56 for the Blue Jays, and he uh, just tonight actually hit Kevin Kiermeyer in the back, and there was a bit of a rhubarb uh, in that game. And of course, uh, Joe West was right in the middle of that one. Don't mess with Joe West. Absolutely not. So uh, Joe West, they all convened, and Joe West ejected Ryan Barucki from the ball game. But uh, what, did you, what did you think of that move there by Kiermeyer and the uh, the absurdity that followed? It was, it was typical end of the year baseball shenanigans, basically. Yeah, it's a D bag move, but also. Don't retaliate. I understand they were down six runs at that time into the game. Rookie's probably getting instructions from either the manager or a, a team leader to hit that dude with the fastest fastball he can. Because rookie, like you said, his cup of coffee is a young player. He probably needs to follow suit. What was it? Sean Tracy, who didn't follow suit with Ozzy. <laughs> yeah. And then he pretty much never pitched for the White Sox again. I don't even know if he pitched in the majors anymore, but uh once you get the orders, you better follow through and make sure that you hit that man right in the back. And he did. It was a fastball. It was like, oh, man, he meant that ball. And the guy did not get thrown out. You know, we were talking the other day about Mike Wright Jr. hitting Joey Tani on the calf and getting thrown out and then subsequently getting a three-game suspension for himself and one for Tony. I expect much more. I expect Baroki to be out for like six or seven games on this one and the manager to be out for multiple games, Montoya. So they, even though they didn't throw him out right now, that was 100% intentional. I don't even think the Mike Wright thing was intentional with the White Sox. So look forward to Baruki being missing a lot of games, if not the rest of the season. And that is some, I just don't like beating somebody just because they did something bad to you or they hit a home run and pimped it. It's, 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 it's weak. Like, can yeah. the hitter – throw the bat at you and hit you <laughs> if he doesn't feel that you did something right to him is that is that equal justice no so you can't just throw a weapon at another person and think that's cool in old school baseball ranks that's garbage yeah man there's got to be a fine line right does it, it doesn't have to be frontier justice every single time i think you know especially considering the initial infraction is taking a piece of paper and not giving it back it's kind of absurd when you think about it but uh, you know it's just one of those things baseball is very dumb in a lot of ways and as more the game changes the more it stays the same in that regard but uh Shep's cousin uh, uh, by marriage, uh, of course, right in the middle of it there. All right, one more email here before a quick timeout. This one coming in from White Sox Dill, short for Dylan, D-Y-L, White Sox Dill. 
says, "Hey guys, dealing with a friend who is very anti Lucas Giolito. Hmm, I, I, I think I know. Lucas, I think I, I think like I know. Lucas. I think I know. Oh, I think I know this person who's anti Lucas Giolito. Lucas Giolito, worst pitcher in baseball. No, it's not him. Uh, he thinks the well. I don't even say he. It just says thinks the past two seasons were flukes. Hitters have adjusted and just doesn't have it anymore. I think he struggled a bit, but definitely still has." Has it evidenced by some very high quality starts and his swing and miss rate? I think his top five swing and miss rate shown that he's the type of pitcher with elite stuff, specifically his off-speed stuff with that filthy changeup. But due to the nature of how he uses the fastball change combo, if he makes a mistake, it's likely one that is easy to punish. I think when he's on, he is on and will be on for the playoffs. I'm not worried. Was wondering how you guys sided and if you agreed or if you just... Uh, had a way to make my jabroni of a friend just shut the hell up and stop freaking out. Love the pod, White Sox Dill. Yeah, Herb, Lucas Giolito, uh, we've talked about him at great length. Uh, it's, it was kind of a uh, up-and-down season for him, uh, but ultimately I'm, I'm pretty proud of the season that Lucas Giolito has put together overall as we sit here with just a, a week-plus remaining in the regular season. Yeah, I'm not sure who uh, tweeted it out the other day. I think it was Chuck Garfine. And the stats that Lucas Giolito has this year are not that far from this 2019 start. So 29 starts in 2019, seven, uh, like 176 innings pitch. This year, it's 167 innings pitch. He had a 3-4 ERA then. He has a 3.70 ERA now. 57 walks then, 50 walks now. He had 228 strikeouts, and now he has 192. Thank you to Chuck Garfine, at Chuck Garfine, for those stats. So he's not too far off from it a year that he figured it out. Yes, he was getting hit hard. And yes, the Josh Donaldson stuff where we're talking about the sticky stuff might have had some merit, but he's a pitcher. He understood that, okay, I can't maybe get the revolutions that I had before, the spin on the ball that I had before, but I'm going to adjust. My slider isn't working in the first half. I'm going to go more changeup. My changeup's not working in the second half. I'm going to go more slider. He's a pitcher's pitcher. He understands that. I need to get these guys out no matter what. He was more of a strikeout guy in 2019. He had to adjust his game. It's not like he's not a strikeout guy now. He's going to have 200 strikeouts on this year and over 176 innings pitch. The guy is maybe not an ace-ace, but he's our ace this year. He's one of our aces this year. I know Rodon and Lynn have been better this year, but when it goes into the playoffs, if they say Lucas got the ball for that first day since Rodon has struggled, I say, hell, I'm in. Because that man showed out last year in Oakland. He showed the beast in Oakland. I want that guy to come back. Yeah, I think he's going to come back. And it, it really was a tale of, of two seasons for Lucas surrounding the incident with Josh Donaldson. I believe it was June 30th. And I think a lot of pitchers struggled after that trying to find their way. You know, spin rates dropped all over baseball. Uh, some guys spin rates stayed the same or dropped and they actually got better Dylan sees one of those guys who actually got better uh, after all that stuff um but Lucas in, in the first half of 2021 his ERA was 415 and then he was able to get that down to just 297 in the second half so like he's made a lot of adjustments and none bigger than the one with the slider and showcasing that a little bit more but if you remember at the time when we talked about man is Lucas Giolito done is he going to be able to put it back together I had said that this guy's a former number one pick. He's a smart guy. He knows how to pitch, and he's got his own personal pitching coach there with him on the team. So if there is anyone who's going to succeed in this situation and bounce back, it's going to be Lucas, and, and that's what he did. And he's limiting uh, the, the opponents in the first half. His OBP to opponents was 290, and he's able to get that down to 266. 
So mixing in that slider has been the ultimate adjustment because hitters adjust and then you adjust back. It's the name of the game, always has been, and I think he's done a really good job. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what he does in the postseason because now if he does it again, all of a sudden it's like, oh, this guy is a postseason performer. And then you can add that to your resume and you can add that to you know the, the contract when he goes to negotiate it. You know He can have that with him and say, hey, look, I perform in big games. So I, I'm really just proud of the season that he's put together. Uh, and I'm proud of uh, everything, the way he represents the organization. He's a classy dude. He's a charitable dude. And, you know, he, he's responded well to adversity. And that's what you want uh, in your uh, your players. So uh, thank you, Dill. We are very, very uh, pro-Lucas Giolito people here on this show, uh, rightfully so. So tell your friend, who is apparently a jabroni, to shut the hell up, as you said, and stop freaking out. He's, he's not a one-of-one one ace that we saw many times last year. But he certainly provides depth, and if you just look at it in the scope of how would you feel if he's got to take the ball game one against the Astros, you'd be all right with it, I think. You know, like I, you, you wouldn't freak out. Right yeah, I'd be all right with that too. So uh, we'll give our rotations and, and playoff roster later on. But uh, yeah, just you know, using that as an example. Um, but yeah, we're gonna take a quick time out here, Herb. You got something for the people here, guys? Thanks for making Lockdown Sox your first listen. Every day, it's really appreciated. And remember, Locked On Socks is free and available on all platforms, including our YouTube channel on Locked On Socks. All right, we've got more emails, more voicemails coming up. We've got potential postseason lineups we've been asked about. So we'll get to that next here on Locked On White Sox. And Locked On White Sox is brought to you by our friends at DirecTV. Does this sound familiar to you, Herb? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows. You're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friend's login for the good stuff. I use my parents' login sometimes, uh, to be honest with you. Uh, well, I wanted to tell you guys about a simpler way to get all that entertainment that you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV to Together. It's called DirecTV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract, so get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at DirecTV.com. That's DirecTV.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. We're also brought to you today by Molecule Mattress. Hey, Herb. Hey. I share a bed with a Pro Bowl quarterback. Did you know Which that? one? <laughs> An Olympic swimmer. Oh, snap. And a national woman soccer star. Is this a California king? Let me explain, Herb. Okay, that's what I'd be saying if I was sleeping on a Molecule mattress. Many elite athletes are using a Molecule mattress, and they call it the best sleep they've ever had. And I'm telling you, you got to check these people out, our friends at Molecule Mattress. You'll get some of the best night's sleep you ever had. Um, Molecule Mattress sleep scientists literally created the world's most perfect mattress. It's unlike any other mattress in a box. It's cool to the touch, not like other foam mattresses you see out there. It has six times the airflow of my old mattress, so it keeps you cool all night. It has this thing called zone reflex layers that adjust with you in all your weird sleep positions so you never awaken with a stiff neck or sore back. And best of all, Herb, it's antimicrobial. I hate microbial. I, I messed it up again. It's antimicrobial. I threw the extra R in there. It's molecule mattress. It's how elite athletes and you get your best sleep ever. Sleep on your molecule mattress risk-free for 100 nights. If you don't have your deepest, most restorative sleep ever, you can return it. 
Visit OnMolecule.com and save 20% with promo code LOCKEDON. Again, save 20% with promo code LOCKEDON on Molecule.com. All right, back to the mailbag here. We've got uh, another good voicemail here. This one coming in from the 312. Hey, Chris. Hey, Herb. Herb, congrats on the engagement. It's Ryan from the south side. I'm just calling to give my two cents on the Rodan. Talk you guys on this morning's episode. I think you got to start him against Cincinnati to know what you got. Because you'd rather know if he's going to go three innings against Cincinnati and you know Cease is going to have to go game three. Comes out, gives you five innings, looks like early in the year rode on, then at least, hey, maybe we got something for the playoffs. Maybe we can get him in. Uh, all right. <laughs> Thank you, Ryan, from the south side. Yeah, so Rodon is slated to pitch next week against Cincinnati, and I had said yesterday that I don't know if I'm a big fan of that with a guy who's saying that his shoulder is barking at him, Um, but I am also not a pitching coach. I'm not an athletic trainer. I don't know much about the arm. Uh, There's been books written about the arm called The Arm uh, by Jeff Passan, you know, these things, they're complicated issues here, and uh, I suppose there is some truth to what Ryan said and throwing him out there knowing where you stand because that would be quite a gamble, I, I suppose, to not see Carlos Rodon for the better part of two weeks and then just roll him out there in the postseason. I don't I don't think that's good for any pitcher to not be on a major league mound for that long. So I, I guess my, uh, my opinion was based in uh, a lot of just uh, being overly cautious with a guy who I think you really need here uh, with the way uh, the way I see it. So I don't know, uh, Herb, what, what do you think? Uh, is this the right thing they're doing here with throwing him on uh, next week against the Reds? How do you think they should play this here? I don't agree with it just because the original reaction from Tony and the White Sox, they said they were concerned about Rodon. And then the next day, they're like, oh, yeah, no, he's pitching next Tuesday. It just seems like something happened. Something, somebody spoke to Tony. and I think the said, MRI happened, right? They were able to get a good look at it, and they said, hey, there's no structural damage or anything. Like, I yeah, think that's how what happened. how are you concerned with the guy? Right. I would be concerned with the 89-mile-per-hour fastballs he was throwing in that third inning. Yeah. That's falling off the table when early in that game he was throwing 97. Like, there's a problem there that doesn't that's not a natural thing that happens there so yeah if they really want to give him that what is a seven-day rest and he pitches well for Cincinnati I'll be less skeptical but until then Carlos Rodon is an injury prone player he's gotten injuries throughout his career so for us as fans to be skeptical is not a bad thing it's not a it's a natural thing that we are skeptical that he is a hundred percent or even a guy that you want to throw out there in the playoffs. Cause that that's not a natural thing to throw from that fast and then gear down to get somebody up top of the strike zone. Haas hog Haas or uh, Honus, 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 Honus Haas. Yeah. Honus Haas up top with an 89 mile per hour fastball. It's, it doesn't make sense. So I am, I have the right and I think it's a smart natural thing for all of us to be skeptical until he goes out in there and if he shoves versus the Cincinnati Reds, I'll come back on this podcast and say I was wrong. But I'm not gonna think I was, I'm gonna say that. I think that he's actually hurt. This all this you know, it's obviously it's a guy who who knows he was on the verge of the biggest payday of his life 
at the end of the season and things going awry for him at the worst possible moment. There's, you know, this is so White Sox that this thing is happening right now. It's shades of Carlos Quinton in 2008 for all you youngsters, and that's the one thing that I've noticed talking to a lot of uh, these these young cats out here and seeing the you know the social media trend. Me in 2008. Me right now, like, you know, talking about the last time the White Sox won a division, when I say shades of Carlos Quinton, uh, Carlos Quinton was an MVP candidate just as uh, Rodon was a Cy Young Award candidate uh, for most of the season until uh, he got hurt and uh, had a couple setbacks there and, you know, had to put him on the shelf. And then Robbie Ray emerged as the top lefty in baseball. And then Lance Lynn, his own teammate, emerged as well. But, you know, in 2008, Carlos Quinton, Oh, my God, they're both named Carlos. Oh, my God. Uh, Carlos oh, Quinton in Cleveland. Oh, my God, they're in Cleveland today. Uh, in Cleveland, after falling off a pitch, I believe it was, he got so aggravated at himself, and Carlos Quinton was a hothead, but he was a beast that year. Uh, he banged his uh, wrist and palm against the the, the butt of his bat, uh, and he broke his wrist, right? I believe that was the injury. And Mr. Hammy Bowen, one of the two. Yeah, he hurt his hand, and he was out for the rest of the season. And the White Sox, of course, they go on, and they still win that blackout game one to nothing. Could have used his bat that night. Uh, you know, they got one run, one, uh, and they eventually go on and lose to the Rays. And there was a couple moments in that series where you could have used an MVP caliber bat in, in that postseason series. So it was a selfish act. What, what Carlos was going through is not that, but it was a lot of parallels here to one of your best players going down at the worst possible time. That was like with a month left in the season in 2008, and this is like a week left. So like this is so White Sox that this thing is happening. But I guess you, you have no choice if, if the, the medicals show that he's fine. You have to run him out there and just see what he can give you, even if it's just for a couple innings. If, if he's hitting the 90s in a couple innings and you give him some rest, have him throw on the side, at least you know you have something to work with. Like if you have to bullpen it uh, during, let's say, game three of an LDS with him, then you know what it is. You know you have to throw him for two and get Kopech up there for two and then just figure it out the rest of the way. But I guess you do kind of have to know what you have because I think there is some validity uh, to what our caller was saying there about knowing if you could count on him or not, because that's too long of a layoff, I think, to have him not be rolled out there. Uh, but I think that's what I would do. I would just have him rest, 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 throw a side session for me, uh, maybe six or seven days before the postseason begins, and then let me know how you're feeling, big boy, uh, because we need you. So that's kind of how I play it. But uh, thank you for the phone call. Uh, next email here coming from our guy, John Yakest, one of our longtime supporters. John Yekes says, what does your game one lineup look like? Specifically, what would you do with Vaughn, Eloy, Engel, and Sheets with a left field, right field, and DH? Even Leary Legend, does he have a spot at second base given his recent success in Caesar's struggles? Would love to hear your thoughts. All right, Herbie, let's let's hear it if you have it here. I've got mine. If you want, I can go first while you put yours together. But I've got yeah, my, go ga my game one lineup for the White Sox against Houston, against Zach Greinke. Uh, who has got an ERA over four, um, and he's their number one pitcher. So I think there's room to, to steal a game here at home in game one. I know a lot of these guys have not seen Granke, but, uh, you know, this guy has not been amazing by any stretch. Uh, so I, I like the Sox chances in a game one going up against Lance Lynn. That's just old school pitching right there, and that should be a fun one. Uh, but, of course, my lineup's got T.A. at the top, mm -hmm. as always. In the two-hole, I've got Grandal. Uh, from the left side, hitting number two, a big-time on-base guy. Uh, I was asking why you had him on your team. Is it because he gets on base? Exactly. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, following Grandal in the three-hole, I've got Jose Abreu at first base, obviously. Behind Abreu, I've got Eloy Jimenez. 
DHing. Uh, you've got him in DHing in the four okay. hole. Yoan Moncada behind Eloy, so you go with the righty lefty there. Uh, behind Yoan is Luis Robert. Behind Robert is Andrew Vaughn playing left, hitting seventh. Adam Engel hitting right, playing eight or hitting eighth, playing right field. Um, and Cesar Hernandez batting ninth at second base. So my my logic for that lineup there is you have a couple lefty righties. Uh, I'm not a slave to handedness whatsoever, but I think you know if you can do that, and the Sox have that luxury to do that. And and although I think Minute Maid Park is not a, a completely troublesome left field because of the Crawford boxes there. It does kind of get a little wild out there in, uh, in deep left center, uh, but hopefully you have Luis Robert there patrolling and you wouldn't have to worry about Eloy in the later innings when you do a defensive replacement uh, you know, in that situation there. So, yeah, I, I've, I don't have Eloy playing left field because I think the best version of the White Sox team is Andrew Vaughn in left field. He's shown it all year long. Uh, but first and foremost, you got to get Eloy's bat going, uh, you know, mm-hmm. so before, you know, you may need to throw him out there just so he could feel good, quote unquote, but I don't like that idea at all. So that's my game one lineup, Herb. Well, what about yourself? I'd imagine it doesn't look incredibly different than mine. We, we uh, see a lot of the same things uh, ideologically similarly, so. Yeah, I go with Timmy batting first, Moncada hitting second, Abreu hitting third. What's your go, explain Moncada in the two hole for me? Why do you like him in the two hole? I just like firstly that you go from right to left. I mean, it's cranky, so Moncada will be hitting left handed on that one. And like Grandal, not maybe at the clip, but Moncada gets on base. Yep. Um. So, and in my heart of hearts, I would have. Grandal in front of Brayu, but I know they're not going to do it, so I don't want to waste my breath because you want to have two guys in, who get on base, or actually three guys who get on base, to me not as much, in front of Brayu, who's an RBI machine. So if I wanted to, I would go Timmy, Mancada, Grandal, Abreu, then Robert, then Aloy, because I think Aloy has been struggling mightily. Mm-hmm. I want the better hitter getting more at bat. So Robert in front of Aloy there. Then we go with Vaughn, Ingle, and Hernandez. So I like your idea of having Aloy be the designated hitter. And his hitting right now, he's been playing left field consistently, and he hasn't hit. So for me, as a manager, if I say, hey, man, you don't want to be designated hitter, but hell, you're not hitting even when you're playing left field. So let me get the better left fielder out there. Let's save some runs. And Andrew Vaughn, he's proven time and time again that he's an actual decent left fielder out there. And not like Aloy hasn't been this year. He's been much improved. But we also know that Aloy has those moments, and I don't want him to be hurt. So, yes, I want Vaughn out there and left, Engel and right, of course, Robert in center. So, Hernandez, other than that brain fart he had the other day in Detroit, he's been pretty solid with the glove. I don't need him to hit that much. He's in the nine spot. Just glove it, do the job at second base. But, yeah, I would just have my top of my lineup with people who can get on base for Brayu and for Robert because they're hitting the ball so well and they're RBI machines. Yeah, man, I think uh, Cesar Hernandez could be our Jeff Blum this year. Uh, you know, the, the left-handed stick in Houston got a little pop. You know, it could be one of those unlikely heroes. I said it at the time. Uh, you, you you could win a game in the postseason because of a guy like that. And I think the one uh, – 
qualm I have with your lineup there and the moving Eloy down. Uh, I don't think you tell a youngster at this point in the season, like, hey, man, we got to move you down. I, I think you kind of act as if everything's fine. And so he thinks everything's fine. So that's like it, it's a dumbass logic, uh, no doubt. Um, and, and, you know, you, you would get one less at bat maybe to one of your best players right now. But I think uh, to keep Eloy in a good headspace, I think I would be inclined to just leave him where he's at uh, behind Abreu. At least maybe he'll see some pitches, uh, you know, and maybe uh, be able to adjust accordingly. But again, we're surrendering ourselves to the gods of variance here in this postseason, and it may not matter. These guys who are trash right now offensively may erupt and have uh, great postseasons. Grandal could be 0 for the postseason, and they could still win games because it's all weird and wild and dumb and, uh, of course, random uh, most of all. Uh, but thank you, John Ye, for your email. Uh, real quick, uh, you know, we'll give our rotations, I think, in a later episode, but who, who are you going game one? Let's get a temperature check on that one. Who's pitching game one for you? Lance Lynn, even though he's pitched – poorly in his one start this year versus the Houston Astros down there. If it's I'm still going with Lance Lynn now. The the Carlos Rodon thing really threw me off, even yeah. though he's had two great starts for Houston. And even if he shoves for Cincinnati, I can't trust that. I'll have them for game three here back in Chicago, but Lance Lynn's my guy. Yeah, I, Rodon was my guy in Game One, uh, so I'm going to go with uh, with Lance Lynn in Game One because I think he's probably got a little chip on his shoulder from his performance last time in Houston. Maybe Lucas Giolito will have a little chip on his shoulder, like a little uh, gamesmanship uh, among teammates there. Like, hey, I should be the number one. I was the number one last year. How come I'm starting Game Two? Take this and shove it, uh, you know. So I, I think maybe there's a little element of that too. But I feel good about those two guys, man. I really do. And if you have to have Dylan Cease. Uh, at for a home game, uh, game three, I, I think I'm okay with that. So uh, that's where I'm at right now. Uh, I think we're both Lance Lynn guys in game one. So uh, final email here before we get to the the matchups for today's game. Uh, after a quick timeout, uh, we got Chuck from Buena Park checked in a while back before our remote, but I wanted to show some love here because Chuck always uh, has very nice, uh, nicely worded email with some insight and a little experience behind it, and he wanted to talk about where we were just at on Saturday. Uh, I'm going to put an unsolicited plug. Remember, this is from before Saturday, but I'm just reading this to show love here. Unsolicited plug for the venue, which is going to host you guys and your podcast taping on Saturday night, the Ballpark Pub. For over 28 years, I've worked with Camille, the mother of Richie DeCaro, the owner of the establishment. Camille, like her son, is a born and bred Bridgeport resident who has all the virtues, hard work, neighborhood pride, love for the Chicago, for Chicago, and a sense of humor that make the neighborhood a unique city, a unique part of the city. I hope Camille is there on Saturday because her sense of humor and laugh alone are worth your trip. An example, about 15 years ago, I wandered by her desk and asked her why, after the age of 45 or so, most Italian women's hair turned from dark brown to blonde seemingly overnight. Get out of here. Uh, because my wife sure did. I, of course, am not Italian. She started laughing, that wonderful laugh, and stated, well, it's, it's a generic trait most Italian women possess, and one day they always have to tell their non-Italian husbands about. Anyway, I know Richie put a lot of blood, sweat, and tears into the establishment, and though a relatively new in Bridgeport, uh, had enough goodwill in the area to survive the ravages of the pandemic. Because it's on 39th and about two short blocks west of the southmost parking lot at Sox Park, uh, fans from the north side, Indiana, and other parts of the city and the suburbs are probably not aware of it. Uh, I certainly was not. Uh, I hope and expect that you and your crew and all the Sox fans attend, enjoy some great food, and have fun at the great neighborhood establishment so you can recommend it to other fans. I would be there myself, but the same Italian wife I just spoke to had a previous plans after 34 years of her putting up with me. Will I have to um, comply? 
Keep up the good work and go Sox. Your devoted 72-year-old skinny-ass geezer fan. Chuck from Buena Park. I had no idea he was 72. Carlton Fisk years young. I just wanted to share that because uh, he sent it in before we went there. And boy, oh boy, did we have a great time at Ballpark Pub. And boy, oh boy, was the staff awesome. And I cannot recommend that place enough uh, it, You know, before and after a Sox game or even during when they're on the road. You know, it was, yeah. it was a great place to hang out, and I had a great time on Saturday. We got a nice backyard there where it's like a bars back there. We, that's where we did the show. It was nice and relaxed. The burger, I had the cheeseburger there. Awesome eats there. Richie and Nikki treated me and you like kings. Yep. It was awesome. I got a hat. I got a T-shirt from the guys. And the service there was second to none. So there's people in in the establishment watching college football, screens everywhere, Beers were flowing, and then in the back, we were doing the show with the 108. A lot of people came out and showed us love. So go out to Ballpark Pub. It's on 39th or Pershing, uh, and right, you know, four blocks away from the ballpark. So instead of going the other way, you can go, you can go to your Turtles. You can go to your other spots. You can go I like to Turtles. The, yeah, but give 39th a chance. And Ballpark Pub, those two dedicated White Sox fans, and like you just heard from Chuck and Buena Park, it's a family organization. Those two guys are are running a great spot. Yeah, man. The 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 outdoor patio there with the, the flat screen TVs and the in the bar. They've got their own bar in the patio section there. It's a great place to watch a Sox game. I would imagine they have the electric heaters going once it gets a little cold. It's I don't know what happened to fall her, but it's uh, already uh, it feels like uh, the end of fall. But uh, it's a great place to watch a game, and they were so hospitable to us. So, uh, you know, I just wanted you guys to know that. I wanted to read that email because we love our guy uh, Chuck, and we love uh, Ballpark Pub. So thank you for having us, and you can download that podcast episode with the 108 guys now uh, at their website or you know check their twitter out at from the 108 all right we'll take a quick time out we'll talk about today's clincher all right i'm willing it into existence that's next here on locked on white Sox, which is brought to you by bet online we're back and better than ever folks all eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back to start another football season and as always bet online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season with a new and updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, betonline.ag continues to be the number one source for everything football and baseball, too. Uh, head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. That's double your initial deposit just for signing up. Don't forget to use our promo code NFL100 from football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. That's bet online. Promo code locked on. Do us a favor. Put that promo code in there so they know we sent you. Promo code locked on. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. We're also brought to you today by our friends at Rock Auto. Thank you for another great year, Rock Auto, for supporting us and the Locked On Podcast Network. There's so many different makes and models of cars these days. It's become impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts that your car is ever going to need. So I endure that pointless process or seemingly intimidating questions like, is your car an LX or an EX? Well, I'm dumb, so I have to go out and look every time. Uh, you know, while the person behind the counter, they check their computer and their inventory, and it only has the parts that their warehouse happens to carry. But guess what, folks? You've got a vast selection and a, your warehouse of your own. 
it's on your phone in your pocket and it's rockauto.com and you can go to it and you can see all the great auto parts that your car is ever going to need and you'll save time you'll save money and those two things are very valuable uh, to us so why choose to spend 30 percent 50 percent or even twice as much for the same auto parts from a chain store or god forbid your dealership uh just a quick example honda odyssey fuel pump $353 from a chain store. It's only 216 bucks at rockauto.com. They're a family business. They've been serving people like us, do-it-yourselfers and professionals for over 20 years. Their prices are reliably low for every customer. So you go to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts available for your car or truck, and do us a favor, write the promo code Locked On in their How'd You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. Happy clinching day, Herb. Happy clinching day to you, Tim. Oh, man, it's going to be so sweet. It's going to happen in the next couple of days. The Sox have a five-game set coming up here. And how about this weekend uh, in Cleveland? You like Cleveland? You think Cleveland's cool? Uh, you may want to take a vacation to Cleveland this weekend uh, with Justin Fields starting under center for the Bears against the Browns and the White Sox in a clinching scenario. But here we go, man. Uh, it was a year ago around this time where there was a, a – we may fulfill my dream here of playing the Scarface tr uh, clip on tomorrow's show. Uh, Ronaldo Lopez, the little Lopezers. Ronaldo Lopez pitched the Sox into the postseason against the Twins last year around this time. He's going to have that opportunity again. He's getting the ball. He's 3-3 three and three with a 3 ERA. A lot of threes going on here. And uh, Aaron Savali is back for Cleveland. He's 11-4 and four with a 3-4-0 earn run average here, Herb. Uh, this is a, an exciting and interesting pitching matchup, and I like this matchup for the White Sox, and, and I'll tell you why. Um, a couple guys, a few guys here, see Savale really well in this White Sox lineup. This is big here. Uh, Eloy is hitting 4-4-4. He's hitting 444 against Savale, and we got to get him alone. Yeah, exactly. And we got to get Eloy going first and foremost. Uh, Yoan's hitting 429. Against Savale, mm -hmm. Luis Roberts hitting 333, and that's that's like the old uh, Luis Robert. Uh, the new and improved Luis Robert should see him really nicely. And uh, TA is hitting 333 uh, in 15 at bats against Savale. So I really like this matchup here. And remember, it's a doubleheader. Uh, game one, seven inning games, I think, really cater nicely to the White Sox, especially. Uh, you, you know, Ronaldo Lopez is basically a. a, a a long relief man at this point. He's not stretched out to be a starter, but that's good. That helps the Sox in this scenario, and uh, I think it gets done in game one. I don't think we'll have to wait, Herb. That's what I'm looking forward to. I mean, any game they win this weekend. God, what if they get swept by the Cleveland Oh, my Indians? God, don't even say that. How could you say that? I <laughs> I now, look uh, here. I don't like that kind of talk. Now, just stop it. It upsets me. It does. Just one. They just need one victory. They can pop champagne right on the Windian field, and Flo will be there, party with her and that other guy, that Jamie guy on progressive field, and have a great time. Yes. In between. So it's a seven-inning game, though, Tanny, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I think game one, Ronaldo Lopez will get the job done, and those numbers you just saw, you just said about Savali versus the White Sox are very encouraging because the offense needs to wake up. Last couple of days have not been great. So. You, you want to hear Ronaldo's splits against Cleveland? Mm, no. I, no, I thought they were bad too. Um, but again, there's a lot of new cats in this Cleveland lineup that Ronaldo hasn't seen. But a lot of guys, you know, he saw them, I think, earlier this year. Um, you know, Jose Ramirez, a big matchup here. He's only hitting 188 and 16 at bats against Lopez. That's Walking. pretty. 
Yeah, time. four fingers every time. Uh, Fran Mil Reyes, no more Fran Mil. He's hitting one twenty-five, a buck twenty-five, and eight at bats against Ronaldo. So, you know, a lot of other guys they haven't really seen a lot, but the two big hitters in that lineup, Ramirez and Reyes, uh, not doing too well against Ronaldo. And uh, Ronaldo's having himself a nice little year. So, and a funny thing about this game here, I was reading earlier today. If you go to the the second game, which is it's not a, a straight doubleheader, it is uh, a day-night doubleheader. So the Sox don't have a, a pitcher listed for Game Two, um, perhaps willing this into into existence. Get get Game One out of the way, and we'll throw Mike Wright out there to start Game Two. Uh, but because there, it's a six ten start for Game Two, it's a lot of time in between. So they're talking about potentially the White Sox celebrating in between games, and I would love to see this lineup they roll out there for Game Two after a post clinching scenario. Yeah, like a bunch these, of pitchers in the lineup. Oh my God, I would I w- like I would love to see who's going to start this game, uh, both on the mound and in the lineup. Like you know, these poor youngsters who are up with the team for their first time and experiencing success, they're going to have to wear it. I hope they don't drink too much after that first game if do if indeed they do clinch there. So uh, that's TBD going up against Zach Plesac. Zach Plesac, the region rat. Uh, trying to keep his, uh, you know, uh, his favorite team as a youngster uh, out of the uh, uh, clinching scenario here. If they don't get it in game one, he's ten and six with a four five nine earn run average. Falling on some tough times recently is old Zach Plesac. So that's the pitching matchups for this game here on uh, on a Thursday afternoon. So hopefully on tomorrow's show we will be talking about the first time the White Sox, I believe, in back to back seasons are in the postseason and uh, the first division title since 2008. It should be a fun day despite all the uh, angst over the past week or so. So I'm looking forward to today, Herb. And it'll be their 11th time in the playoffs all time. Only 11. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, this one goes so, to 11. That's what the newspaper should say. right, yeah, Guys, yeah. <laughs> thanks for making Locked on Sox your first listen every day. And remember that Locked on Sox is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. Go right now. Subscribe to Locked on Sox on YouTube. And don't forget the Locked on Bets podcast, okay? Uh, betting on baseball doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked on Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked on Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get your podcast. That's all I got. We'll talk to you tomorrow, right, Herb? Yes, we will after a White Sox victory. <laughs> that is Chris Tanhill at Chris Tanhill. Me, Herb Lawrence at Ecknerwall23, we're 670 The Score Producers. I don't know if you guys knew that. This is Locked on Socks, and thank you for joining us. And thank you for watching us on YouTube. Here's my Tim Raines Rock of Ages poster. Aren't I cool? You, you are you, really I'm cool. I'm quite a catch, aren't I? Imagine framing this and having your wife walk in on you like, what the hell are you doing? Uh, she thinks it's kind of cool. Wait till I get the Robin Ventura one. Thanks, everyone, for watching on YouTube. Smash that subscribe button for you, won't you? Thanks, guys. It's right there. Peace. Herbert Lawrence.